Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote. And we're glad to have you with us on another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. And today we've got a really special guest. I'm excited about today's interview. I'm excited because we're going a little bit different direction today. You know, in ministry, we deal with a number of issues. So one of the last podcasts we did was called um, Escaping Performance or es- a Grace, Grace Escape. Escape, right? Well, this is the opposite. This is an escape into performance-based religion today because many people are drawn to performance-based religion. And so we're going to talk about that today. And Anna Bannister is with us. She has a personal story kind of related to uh, being interested in performance-based religion. So how did that happen for you, Anna? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I um, was actually raised in a in a Christian denomination growing up. We were we were Nazarene, my family and I. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until um, high school when I met a young man, um, and I his family he and his family were Mormon. Um, and to put it bluntly, we honestly fell in love, and we started this kind of a seven year long, on and off relationship. Wow. Essentially, um, I my family things weren't always, you know, smooth sailing as far as, you know, um, right. (laughs) Family dynamics. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And so, um, hanging out with him and his family, I was just, I noticed certain things. I noticed it seemed like his, his family, um, they just got along. Things were calm. Um, he was just an exemplary young man, um, valedictorian Mm -hmm. his class, his siblings were all like four sport athletes, you know, and so there were things about his family unit that just really drew me in. Um, and so, also uh, my senior year of high school, we got to know each other, as I said, um, got very close to this family. I left for basic training for the National Guard that summer. So um, I came back from basic training um, and we kind of had a year and a half there where we weren't seeing each other as much. Um, but a couple years later, we reconnected and kind of re-engaged that relationship. And that was where things really got more serious. Um, We were a little older. Mm -hmm. Um, We kind of, you know, were exploring each other's face. And so essentially what he had told me was, and he was a member of the LDS um, church, and he had asked essentially like, hey, you know, if you come and just have one meeting with the missionaries and ask some questions, because I had some questions about his faith. Um, And then you know, you meet with missionaries and then we'll, you'll come to my church one Sunday and I'll go to yours, you know, just to right. kind of see. And that's kind of how it began. Right. Now, um, I know a question that listeners who are probably either watching or listening or having is, is this. So how much did you know about 
um, the Mormon faith, the LDS community faith before all this? Had you been told anything about it? What was kind of your understanding of who they were as a religious group? I'll, I'll be honest, I had very little knowledge about okay. about that faith. Um, I, you know, and getting to know, he, he was actually the only real exposure I'd had to it, and I knew that he had talked about Jesus. Um, they were Jesus-professing people, and so yes. I kind of just associated it with Christianity, to be honest. I didn't right. know mm -hmm. a lot of the differences um, and what, and I and I just noticed um, what I had talked about before, what I observed was just like, the seemed like the family unit was intact. It just, there was a lot of support there and every Mormon I had encountered through the church. And I mean, we're just so kind and so just lovely people. Right. So as far mm -hmm. as the doctrine end and, and, um, what I mean, I will say is like the work, work-based faith end of things. I really didn't, I really didn't know. Okay. Um, so, um, he says, Hey, why don't you let the missionaries come over let them explain the church. And so you do that. So you have a missionary lesson and yes. what happens from there. Yeah, actually, and actually we met at the, uh, I believe our first meeting was actually at the ward because I was I was too afraid to have them over to my house because my dad would, I knew he would not be happy about that. And so we, okay. and so from our first meeting, I was just asking questions um, and they said, okay, why don't you come back and we'll, you know, answer more questions. And I'll be honest, before I knew it, I, I was meeting with them weekly and I was going through all of the missionary lessons mm. um, with that. And I don't want to say that I was coerced into it or anything. I mean, I was interested. Right. Uh, I was coming back willingly, you know, and, and also I was in love with this man that I wanted to know more about his faith. And he was so, like I said, I already said all the things that he had already accomplished, but I mean, he was just so driven, so respectful, so um, kind of like your model citizen. And so I, and he was so yeah. sure that mm -hmm. what he believed was true. And so, um, all those things kind of led me to just saying, okay, well, there must be something to this. It's worth me looking into. Right. And yeah, you did the missionary discussions at the ward building. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, I'm trying to think if there were any other, a couple, a couple lessons would be at members' houses. And so, and again, this was a gradual process, but slowly I started going to church with his family more, not going to church, um, at my home church and, my family definitely started noticing, especially my I was going to say, well, so, yeah, so what's your family's response to <laughs> this? <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, uh, not not very, you know, positive as far as, you know, being raised in a, in a Christian background. Um, my dad was very concerned. And so, and I think, he, you know, he may obviously must have known more about Mormonism than I did at that point. And I, he... Um, he began to kind of pick up again, like I said, pick up on the tendencies. Like, no, Anna, you're not coming to church with us anymore. And he was very concerned. He knew that this young man's family was Mormon. Okay. I mean, he's like, I'm concerned about you, you mm -hmm. know. And and I'll be honest, at first, it, you know, he was, I don't want to say very upset, but kind of, I mean, just kind of more of a, you shouldn't do this. This is a cult runaway kind of attitude. Um, but and anybody who's had uh, lessons with the missionaries or knows some about the church will know, you know, it's almost kind of taught that, you know, in the lessons that the more adversity you encounter um, while exploring the faith, and that's exactly. confirmation actually of the truth of that religion, because you know, well, if you're if you're working toward the truth, then obviously the devil's going to work harder against right. you. Mm -hmm. And that was the attitude that I took. And so, whether my family was against me or even some friends that seemed concerned about me, my immediate response became: the, the further I got into lessons, as the more months that I took them, was just like, well, okay, I must be onto something good because people are. 
So or I've heavy. heard from people who had demonic encounters even who will tell me that was a confirmation that I was going in the mm -hmm. right direction. Mm -hmm. And yet, wow, now I don't think mm -hmm. that was a confirmation that I yes. was going in the right direction. Right, absolutely. But that certainly is something you're taught, right? Right. right. And, it's, and it's very true that this is something common to many performance-based religious groups that when they get someone who is coming from a more traditional historic Christian background, mm -hmm. one of the first things they will tell them is, here's what you need to expect. As your family or your friends find out, they will call us a cult. Mm -hmm. They will have all sorts of dirt on us. Mm -hmm. And what you need to know is Jesus said, you'll be persecuted yeah. for your faith. You'll be persecuted for the truth. And so they anticipate that very natural response mm -hmm. of concern and prepare the person mm -hmm. for that. And this is why 83% of converts that go into performance-based religion, this particular performance-based religion, Mormonism, come out of biblical Christianity. Mm -hmm. Exactly Background, like yep. you and exactly like me. Mm -hmm. I, too, was raised in mm -hmm. nominal Christianity mm -hmm. and walked into Mormonism. So those are most of the mm -hmm. people that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost a technique to, ahead of time, <laughs> let you know what to expect and then twist it to, oh, that confirms we're true. Right, right, right. Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And I remember one scripture, too, that the um, missionaries, you know, would bring up as, you know, well, observe, uh, observe the fruits of the church. Like, what are the, look at the fruits of the church. And from Whoa. my perspective, honestly, not knowing very much, I mean, I look at this young man and how successful he was, his family and how beautiful mm -hmm. their relationship seems to be, um, the success of the members of the church. And so it looked like, okay, well, I guess, you know, these are... <laughs> The fruits are good, and of course, at that point, I didn't know things right. like the divorce rate in the church and all these other, which I'm sure statistically. Um, right, one more. of the the last book I wrote, we actually uh, I addressed that at great length. Right, mm -hmm. social consequences of mm -hmm. Mormon teachings or social consequences mm -hmm. of having performance based religion and the fruit isn't good. But all the fruit you, that you've mentioned so far. Mm -hmm are worldly things mm -hmm, according exactly. to the Bible. So you're looking at a good athlete, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a valedictorian, those are all awards of men, right? Mm -hmm. Right, absolutely. But at this point, you're totally taken with this mm -hmm. young man, you're serious, and the responses of your parents and of even friends are just serving to confirm that message to you. Right, exactly, absolutely. Um, and then I will, I. I'll say that continued that way for a while. Um, I started investigating the church, and I was, uh, was about, I'd say March of 2014 is when it really okay. started. Um, this young man, again, I will say I was madly in love with him, and, of course, that also clouds vision in some ways. <laughs> um, and, you know, just to pause to say, I think it's worth saying, you know, for anybody who has family who is in love with a Mormon or, you know, it's they're wonderful people. And so it's it would right. made sense that, you know, I looking back on it, I can see like why there were certain qualities that, you know, I was enamored by essentially. Um, but anyway, so in July of 2014, he left for his mission. Um, and I continued to pursue the church uh, very much in secret. My friends didn't, didn't know, at least okay. most of them did not know. Um, and my, my dad, although he, again, was concerned, he didn't even know the depth to which I was really considering this faith. Mm -hmm. um, and so after he left his mission in July, I got connected with a ward of where I was going to school. I started going uh, faithfully to 
church at the ward every Sunday and stopped going at where I had been going. Um, and I was living the word of wisdom. I kind of, essentially, I adopted the entire Mormon lifestyle, I would say. Um, and I don't know if it was hmm. to trial. I don't want to say it was to trial it, but it was almost like I was, I had a lot of fear of professing. I was trying to figure out how to tell the people in my life or my dad, and you know, that I was making this decision. But at the same time, I wanted to be, if you know, faithful. Because, again, with the lesson, with the missionary lessons and teaching, you know, make sure you're upholding, you're doing these things, you know, and, and the, especially the word of wisdom. So I was living as, um, I was living as a Mormon, you know, not no coffee, right. no tea, all those things. Um, was there a part of you that was drawn to that, to the idea, wow, there's certain things I can do, and if I do them yeah. well then, wow, this, this kind of feels good. That, that, that's an excellent question, actually. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> um, yes, which, you know, and I, looking back, it kind of surprises me, but yes, because in some ways it gave me control over my own salvation. And, oh, and I don't, yeah, you know, and, and that's the only way I really know how to put it, and this idea of, like, okay, I know that God expects this exact thing from me, so if I perform this, then therefore I am righteous, and therefore I am right with God, and it's okay, you know, and, and, and uh, there was something about that control that I found attractive, you know, and then down the, but the, the flip side of that is when I would fail to do, you know, what I was taught was right now in this church that then there's, you know, all this guilt on me as well. Um, right. But yeah, I would say that's, that was very, very attractive about it. Okay. So he's on his mission for two years. So does this go on for the full two years of his mission? How so? How long are you now? Are you away at college? How are your yes. parents at this point not yes. realizing? Okay, so yep. you're away. So at I'm college. away at college. So again, I I left for college in August of that summer, and so he left in July. I left in August for college, and so my dad knew from March to August that I was investigating, but again, not to the same, ex, not to the full extent of right. of knowing that. Um, I was. I guess essentially living the Mormon lifestyle from August until December, and I came home for Christmas break. Um, and that whole time I was writing the young man who was on his mission, we wrote uh, every Monday, and I was growing deeper and deeper into the Mormon faith. I, w I had read the entire Book of Mormon. I was reading, I was reading that still, and um, the Doctrine and Covenants as well. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be able to understand the faith that I was joining. I, because I really did care about knowing truth. And so I wanted to know, you know, and I wanted to be able, like, okay, if I make this transition, I want to be able to tell people why I did it. Mm. Yep. And so it was very thorough about, you know, learning the scriptures, actually, you know, having read the Book of Mormon um, and things like that. So as you were reading all these LDS scriptures, I have a question. Did you ever go to the Internet and type in Joseph Smith or search any church history or any other sources besides LDS church sources? That's a good question. Um, I'd like to, I would like to say that I did do more research. However, in that season, I, I really didn't. And part of that, um, I mean, as far as internet, I did use internet resources, but it was like mormon.org and um, the church websites. I remember watching a lot of YouTube videos of um, people like general authorities speaking and things like that mm -hmm. but as far as like doing a general google search of mormon history um of joseph smith i really didn't and and part of that you know in in the lessons 
they will tell you that there is a lot of anti-Mormon literature or websites and things out there and to be careful of that just because essentially the devil is working hard to combat the church and so these mm-hmm. things are everywhere so to avoid to avoid those things and um and that made sense to me especially coming you know listening to things my dad was saying you know from my perspective it was well, well dad you have no idea what you're talking about you've never looked into the church you don't really know any mormons you know and so from my perspective it was just like you know these people don't really know what they're talking about and so you know it'd be better for me to just read Mormon literature I guess if that makes right. sense mm-hmm. but but you're saying part of your training was you were specifically kind of warned away from that yes. anti-Mormon side from things you might find online or on the internet right. that they weren't reliable right. and so just stay away for oh, most, to be safe yeah most definitely I think especially since they knew that I came from a Christian background and they knew that my dad was very much against it I mean I was part of I mean even the fact that we couldn't meet in my house uh, I mean they didn't say that but I I was didn't want them to come to my house because I knew that, right. my, that my father would just be very up, upset about that. And so that was in no way a red flag at the time, right? That not my, to go certain places, not to look into certain things. It, you know, and it's funny, like it should have been, you know, I see a lot of things differently now, of course. Um, but at that point, I, you know, and I don't even know that I realized to, to the extent into which I was being changed, like the way that my mind was changing, I guess, and the way I was thinking okay. about the religion, even how I was reading the Bible. Um, it's kind of like a, sl- a sl- kind of a slow fade, I guess. Like the more I mm-hmm. began to trust the people, I began to just, I guess, trust the stories that I didn't feel the need to right. look elsewhere. Well, and there had to be a that- part of you that really wanted it to be true, because if it's true, then this whole relationship can go forward regardless of what your parents think mm-hmm. or your friends' concerns. And so... You've got good reason for wanting the Mormon Church to be true, right? And and that's very. I mean, I and I, there are many parts of me that did want it to be true. I mean, I loved as far as like why things about the church that I loved. I love the concept of eternal marriage. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I loved the thought that I could be with the person that I love most in the world, really, forever. I mean, I loved that idea. Um, I and, loved, and that's not true in Christianity. No, I mean, it's, I mean, the scripture tells us that there is no giving and taking a marriage in heaven, you know, um, and, and I had asked a missionary at one point as like, what, you know, how do you explain this scripture? And they had said, well, that the, at least, and I don't even know, like they had, <laughs> they had said that, well, that just means that, you know, you won't actually get married there, but if you're already married, that you'll be married there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, I'm like, okay, you know, and, and they were going through this whole journey, and there were very, there were a lot of things that the missionaries would joke with me about me being one of the most difficult investigator convert people that they'd have, and then also being the most entertaining, just because I had so many questions. And coming from my Christian background, you know, I, I, I'm thinking that I, I must have known the Bible maybe more than maybe a, the average person. The average person, with? and so there would be, and that's another reason why I think my conversion took so long. Um, because I just had so many questions and so many things that, and I, I look at, back on it now, and it was it's absolutely the Lord. Um, but just things where I would I would just read, especially in Doctrine and Covenants, like specific Mormon doctrine, that would just, I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense because, you know, this the Bible says something different, you know, and little things that just wouldn't, it doesn't make sense to me, you know, and then. So what did you do with those things? <laughs> yeah, well, I would tell you, well, the first thing I would always do is I would bring them to the missionaries <laughs> because they're supposed to, you know, be able to answer those things. And I feel kind of bad for some of them because I'm sure I threw them some very difficult questions for them because, honestly, they can't be answered fully within 
the scope of Mormon doctrine. I mean, they, they right. really can't, mm-hmm. um, but they would do their best. And often the answer would be, you know, well, we're not going to understand everything in this time, you know, in this in this lifetime, but it, things will be revealed. And they'll, they would also say, too, you know, well, you have to step out in faith. And when you step out in faith and get baptized in the church, more will be revealed to you in time. And I will say that was usually the response, because even if they would respond to one argument with some type of scripture, then I'd usually respond with another thing, like another question. And so we would usually come back to the same point, which was, well, you have to just have faith and believe. Um, not, not everything is going to make sense, yeah. essentially. Mormonism having a different definition of faith than Christianity and the, the definition of faith in Mormonism is never doubting mm-hmm. and simply following what we teach you, what mm-hmm. the church says, what the prophet says, which right. in Christianity, um, faith is very different from that. Faith has to do with believing Jesus Christ, right? Right. It's the object of your faith. And it's it's being able to trust things that you can't see, but within historic biblical Christianity, while faith may have you go beyond reason, and mm-hmm. there may be things you can't explain, mm-hmm. it'll never ask you to go against reason because mm-hmm. God has given us reason as part of who we are as people. Which and is huge, a huge difference, right, yes, between right. the two because logic and reason can be applied in Christian faith right. and doesn't fit in Mormon faith. And mm-hmm. we've talked often, yes. a little bit about that before. Okay, so... You're at school, he's on his mission, you were starting into December, so you've got several months now. Yes. I'm guessing the people at the ward loved you to pieces, though. They were so kind, yes. <laughs> oh, they, they truly were, um, and, and, I, and I loved it there, too, to be honest. I mean, you, I mean, you really, even from the first time I'd gone there, you just immediately are, are just surrounded by people who are so kind, loving, invite you over for dinner, um, just want to get to know you, you know? And, and so, yes, I mean, I loved being there. I, I like to think they <laughs> enjoyed having me as well. Um, and, and so I was just, yeah, from that time period until December, I was just growing stronger and stronger and stronger um, as far as my faith in the, in the Mormon religion goes. Um, and it wasn't until December when things really took a turn. Um, okay. So, let's see. So, um December, uh, usually missionaries on Christmas can Skype their families. And so I was getting ready to go over to this young man's house. We, so we still had correspondence over via written letter. Go over to his house and to Skype him and to see him for the first time since he left. Um, and so right before I left to do that, uh, my dad handed me this packet of uh, full. At that point, I didn't really know what was in it, but just a packet and said, um, you know, it's just very simply, essentially like, Anna, I love you. I just, you know, please just look through this stuff. You know, I've, I've done some research while you've been at school, and I just thought, you know, this is worth, worth looking into, which was starkly different to his previous... Before I'd left for college, he had a very different attitude, um, very, like, you know, fearful, like, run away from this church. You know, like I said, it's a cult. Um, it's, you know, in just very kind of commanding type yes. attitude, which looking back, I don't blame him for that at all. Right. But this was starkly different. To, yeah. to his, he's being he's being Papa Bear. It's like, yes, I'm yes. here to protect you and tell yeah. you what to do yeah. and where to go. Exactly. Here's the root of that. Right? Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and so this was starkly different. You know, he just basically said, you know, I love you. Please take a look at this and, and left it. You know, didn't say, okay, let me read this to you. Let me, you know, he didn't even open the, he just gave it to me. Just okay. gave it to you. Okay. So I laid that on my bed and I went and Skyped 
this young man and at that and I had pretty much made my decision to be baptized before that um, right you know in that month but it was like skyping him something in me you know and there's so many I'll say like in the Mormon faith there's so much of things about feelings feelings are so important you know and so skyping him I'll never forget this just overwhelming feeling of just joy and happiness and like this is perfect. I can't wait for him to come home. We're going to get married. I'm joining the church. Like I was just, I made that decision. I'm like, all right, how am I going to tell my dad? I'm like, it doesn't even matter how I'm going to tell my dad. Like, I'm so happy, you know? Yes. Um, and so if, to me, that was just confirmation that this is just, this is, this is right. You know, this is what I'm supposed to do. Anyway, um, I leave. Yeah, I yeah, okay. think we're coming to the end. Okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, but this is great. I love cliffhangers. Okay. I know. <laughs> so um, in like the last, you know, 30, 45 seconds here, so go ahead and tell us about the Skype call. And that's where we're going to end it because the story <laughs> goes on from there. So let go dun, ahead and finish dun, up that part. Dun. No, so. that was essentially, I mean, I, I just, like I said, I'll never forget this just feeling of completeness, happiness. Just, I, it, it was as if him, this marriage, this like new family I wanted in the future was like all right. I'd ever wanted. And so, And so. so what do you say to him when you Skype him? I told him I loved him, I think. You know, to be completely honest, we might have to pause this. I don't remember exactly. Okay. Did you tell him you were going to become a member? I, not in the. Not in the Skype call? This is crazy. I don't remember if I told him in the Skype call <laughs> if I wrote it in a letter. <laughs> well, that's okay. Yes, it doesn't matter. The decision was made at that point. Right. Because you, had, at that <laughs> point, you had made the decision to join the church. I had made the decision to join the church, yes. Okay. Yes. And that's where we're going to end. So stay this, tuned yes, to find for out Anna part two. <laughs> why all these positive things we've heard about performance-based religion, um, why she changed her mind about all of that at some right. point. Because why she would walk away from something that has all these positives. Right. right. And that was, at, at, at least at this point in your life, bringing you so much joyous mm -hmm. anticipation was everything you were hoping for. So you're going to have to just stay tuned. <laughs> Um, so thanks for being with us and if you're hearing this and you're not sure where to get part two, like if you're picking this up on the radio and you go, wait, I'm not going to be able to, unveilinggracepodcast.com is where all the episodes are. Thank you so much for joining us and like I say, part two is coming up. So we hope you'll be with us next time. Grace and peace to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. We hope you'll join us next time for another conversation devoted to taking your life and relationships to another level of healing. You may connect with us and leave your questions, comments, plus find the show notes at unveilinggracepodcast.com. That's unveilinggracepodcast.com, where you can experience a grace that heals.